Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. Hello and welcome to Radio Maria. This is Credo um, with me, Tim Hutchinson. Credo is a program that nourishes you in your Catholic faith. And um, today we have Derek Williams, who's going to be starting a brand new series with us. Hello, Derek. Good afternoon, Tim. Beautiful day. Yes, indeed. And um, you're calling in from Walsingham, aren't you? As always, Tim, yeah, the Catholic Shrine of Our Lady of Walsingham, just living one mile away out in the middle of the country. So uh, bringing the good news to all of you who are busy in doing your day, whatever fashion it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. And today we're going to be looking at that popular topic that everyone wants to know about, Nina's tithing. Yeah. Is there a little bit of sarcasm in your voice? <laughs> <laughs> There's always a hint of sarcasm in my voice. Absolutely, well, yes. I, I, because I know that always. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid it's there far too often, and my family are very, very used to it, and I think we even share the humour. Um, There's either sarcasm or irony, yeah. um, and as I say, it's a lowest form of wit, so it's the easiest one for me to find, um, but I tend to do it in a nice fashion, not in a nasty fashion. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I'm here today, and for the next few weeks, Tim, to talk about this topic of tithing for the listeners. Right. Good. Well, I'm very interested to hear about this because I haven't heard a great deal on it. Um, And I'm sure, as always, you're going to be giving us um, a lot of scripture references and um, also church uh, documents and things like that, which um, and I'm sure all kinds of things to to look into. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot there. (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, you know my style. Um, so shall I crack on and start feeding the listeners? Yes, if you wouldn't mind starting with a prayer, that would be great. Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Blessed Mother, for Radio Maria and for uh, Tim and those who work there. For the listeners who tune in, without whom there'd be no point in doing any of this work. So we thank you, Blessed Mother, for the listeners. And we thank you, uh, Blessed Mother, for all the graces you give us. I pray now for the grace for the listeners to receive the Word of God into their hearts so they can have an encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit as we break open this topic for them and hopefully bring them fresh insights on what this really is all about. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, listeners, I'm um, 
Um, a few years ago, um, I met with the former chair of the charismatic renewal for the whole the whole world, uh, Icarus. Um, his name was Charles Whitehead. And I used to meet with Charles every now and then because he was a man of great wisdom. And I, you know, my work at the time was largely involved in the charismatic conferences and prayer groups and such like. And on this one occasion, um, Charles said to me that he'd been asked, he was thinking about a book that Catholic, the Catholic Church could really do with. And he says, there aren't many books on this topic, if any. And he says, it would be the name of tithing. And he said, Derek, I'd like you to consider writing this book because you've lived by faith for many years. You've been involved in evangelization. You know what it is to completely depend upon God for your income, for your finances. Um, and, you know, you're not coming from a wealthy background, so it's a, it's a good topic for you to, to pick up on. Um, and I was delighted he'd asked me because I'd been teaching on tithing for some years. I'd even given retreats on the topic, um, and I'd got a lot of resources about it. So I set to work on it, and it took me a few, it took me a lot longer than I expected. I actually I actually got the whole book written within a space of a few months, but from having got it written on my laptop to um, getting it edited, proofread, and printed. It took quite a few years, five or six years altogether. Um, and um, and now, you know, I only produced a few hundred copies in the end because when I was, when I had finally printed it, I was actually on a sabbatical. <laughs> so I wasn't actually traveling that much. And it's when you're traveling that usually that you can generate sales of these things because people are interested in what you've got, to, what you've produced. So that's a little bit of a backdrop to the book. The book's name at the moment, it's called Tithing for Catholics. Um, but it was originally meant to be called, oh, Tim has just flashed up a copy, copy for me, so he's got a copy of it. It was meant to be called Tithing, the Deposit that Guarantees the Blessing. And at some point between the editing process and the final publication, it became Tithing for Catholics. Um, and I don't know why. I'm not totally happy with that title. I actually prefer the title, The Deposit That Guarantees the Blessing. And I'll explain that to you as we go through either today or over the next few weeks. Um, so I'm going to begin with Genesis chapter 28. In the, in the book itself, uh, this is uh, chapter 2. And um, I've only just quoted one line from Genesis 28. But here I'm going to talk to you about the, the whole um, context of that one line. The line I've quoted is um, Jacob saying to the Lord in prayer, making a vow, This stone which I have set up for pillars shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give the tenth to you. That's the line I've quoted. But I want to read the whole paragraph, because the whole narrative, because the narrative gives us a context for why Jacob um, decided to give God a tenth of everything. This is in um, Genesis 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place. Now note, the place he arrived at is nameless at this point, and that's important. He stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of the place, put it under his head, and lay down and had a dream. 
sorry, lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, in my Bible, it tells me that according to the church fathers, this ladder links heaven to earth, and the dream is fulfilled in Christ, true man and true God, when he declares to Nathaniel, truly, truly, I say to you, you'll see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So at the moment, they're descending upon, ascending and descending upon this, this ladder that Jacob sees. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. And your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth. Now, please note, this is what God is going to do for Jacob. It's really, really important that we understand that God has appeared in a dream to Jacob, and he's giving him a promise, which is a repeat of the covenant promise that he made to his father Abraham. Sorry, not his father Abraham, his grandfather Abraham. Your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And by you and your descendants shall all the families of the earth bless themselves. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done that of which I have spoken to you. So there's a phenomenal blessing there. One of the blessings he gives is, um, all, by you and your descendants shall all the families of the earth bless themselves. And when we began this teaching a few minutes ago, I did the sign of the cross and said in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's worth noting that here we are, three and a half thousand or so years after this incident in Genesis 28, and we blessed ourselves in the name of the Son, who is in the order of nature, a descendant of Jacob. So we've so that we see the fulfillment of that. We have blessed ourselves in the name of Jacob's descendant. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in his place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, the fear of the Lord comes upon him, and says, How awesome in this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone, which he'd put under his head. One of the mysteries of the Bible is taking a stone and using it as a pillow. This, this is one of those extraordinary mysteries. Are the stones in the Middle East a little bit softer than English stones? Uh, let me know if you've ever been there. I have a funny feeling the answer will be no. Um, why would he take a stone and put it under his head? I mean, if I was lying on the ground, I think I'd look for a soft patch on the ground rather than a stone. So he takes the stone and sets it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. So he anoints the stone and he calls the name of that place Bethel. The Hebrew word is more like Beit El. Beit means house. 
and El, E-L, is the Hebrew word for God, so house of God. But the name of the city was Luz at the time, at, at first, so it tells you the original name of the city was Luz. Note at the start of the narrative, the, the city was nameless. It simply said it stops at a certain place. It was originally called Luz, now it has a name, Bethel. Then Jacob makes the vow. So it's like a covenant vow. So God first, remember, God has taken the initiative with Jacob. It's not Jacob taking the initiative with God. God has taken the initiative with Jacob and has given him the promise and the blessing that he gave to his father and his grandfather. If God be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, if he will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will return tenth, a tenth to you. Now, this isn't the first time tithing is mentioned, but it's the first time that anyone has actually said in the Bible, I will give you a tenth back. In When Abraham meets Melchizedek, earlier on in Genesis, Abraham tithes to Melchizedek, and we will look at that um, a little bit later. But first of all, this is what Jacob does. Now, Jacob isn't giving God just a tenth of what he's earning. He's not saying, okay, I've got, I've got ten sheep, I'm going to sacrifice one sheep, give that to God as a sacrifice. He's not doing that. What he's doing is he's receiving, first of all, the blessing. So God has spoken into Jacob's life. Jacob has woken up from his dream. He's been blessed. He recognizes the blessing. He dedicates the land to God. He calls it the house of God, which is named the house of God to this day. Bethel, as a city, remains to this day in Israel. And then after all of this, the very end of the narrative, the very last thing that Jacob does, the very last thing that Jacob says is, I will give God a tenth of all that he gives me. So the, the tithing is the response. It's the very last part of Jacob's response to God. It's not the first part. It's not the middle part. It's the very last thing. So Jacob says at the very last, I will give God a tenth of all that he gives to me. Now that tenth is Jacob giving God something material out of what God has given him spiritually. So God has spoken into Jacob's life. He hasn't given him anything yet. Jacob doesn't yet have the land. Jacob doesn't yet have the flocks, the money, the wealth. He's seen the vision. He's received the covenant blessing. God has said, I'll be with you. Um, and he will not leave him. And he will keep him wherever he goes and bring him back to this land. So God has made promises. Jacob, in response, has made a vow. So Jacob himself hasn't given anything back to God, but he's made a vow. Um, and the vow is basically sort of twisting God's arm. If God is with me, if he'll give me bread to eat, clothing to eat, clothing to wear, uh, if he'll bring me back to my father's house in peace, then, then I will tithe everything to God. I'll give him a tenth of everything. So there's more. There's so, God is giving Jacob so much more 
than what Jacob is giving God. In fact, Jacob isn't really giving God anything. I mean, yeah, Jacob isn't really giving God anything because Jacob says, of all that you give to me, I will return a tenth. So Jacob's only giving God back a tenth of what he has already received from God. Now, this is very, very important when it comes to our giving to God. And I challenge the listeners here. Do you recognize what God has given to you? Do you really recognize, do you really analyze what God has given? Do you recognize that God has given you the intellect with which you are able to generate an income? Do you recognize God has given you the skill base? Do you recognize the very clothes on your back come from God? The shelter that you are in, the car that you drive maybe, the house, the faith. Do you recognize that God has actually given you that faith? One of the things I um, was reading about this not so long ago, I wish I could remember whether it was from St. Ignatius. I think it was from St. Ignatius Loyola, um, but can't be certain about that. But he was basically saying to recognize with thanksgiving that if you're a Catholic and you're reading this as a Catholic, it's because God had ordained it that you would be in, raised in the Catholic faith as it were. God ordained these things, and therefore we should give thanks, uh, give something back to God. First of all, thanks. Acknowledging what God has given to us, and then giving God a return of what he's given to us. So he's given us the faith. He's given us Radio Maria. He has given us the clothing we wear, the money in the bank. He's given us the house, the relationships, the friendships, maybe the spouse, maybe the children, the grandchildren, maybe the parents. Think about all the things that God has given you, the circumstances in which he has placed you, the good things that you're surrounded with, um, the food that we have on our table on a daily basis here in the Western world, which if you were to go only 2,000 miles south, you might find a very different and far more restrictive food supply chain. Even a water supply chain would be very, very different, a mere 2,000 miles south of England in, in the Saharan area. And whether it's north of Sahara or south of Sahara, suddenly the supply chain is very, very different to where you are here in England. I'm assuming most of the listeners are in England, anywhere in the Western world. So think about all these good things. Now, all that God is calling on us to do is to make a return of what he has always given us. And I'm going to, my second scripture in my book is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And it has parallels with what we've just listened to in Genesis 28. In him, you also who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and have believed in him. Now, if I just pause there, that was written probably around one and a half thousand years after Jacob has his experience of God. Jacob hears God's word. So Jacob hears the word of truth. Jacob hears, if you like, the message of salvation, which is, I will give you this land. Uh, which you can might say, hold on a minute, how is the land of Canaan the gospel of salvation? Well, if you look at it in its fullness, God is giving Jacob the kingdom of God. That's really the ultimate promise. And when Jesus descended into 
the darkness to free the souls in prison and bring them into heaven, Jacob was among those souls. He was in the darkness waiting for Christ to descend. So he was given the kingdom on that at that moment. Now, that's the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. And then you've believed in him. So Jacob believes in what God is saying without hesitation. But you've got to remember, Jacob's grandfather is Abraham. So every day of his life, possibly, because it was a tradition, Jacob would have heard the story of the covenant and the fact that as, as he was growing up, the message was passed to him every day. This is what God promised us. He promised to give us the land. He promised that all of our descendants would be blessed. He promised this. He promised that. So the promises would be repeated every single day because that's what they did in the ancient, in that, in that part of the world. They would sit down at night outside the tents around the campfire, narrating the covenant promises so that everyone around them would know the promise of God. Nowadays, Many people, um, as a part of their daily practice, will read a book. Or they'll be sitting down watching television. They'll be hearing stories either way. Because, you know, you're looking at television, you're hearing a story of some sort. Uh, if it's a movie, you're hearing a story narrated in some way, shape, or form. If you're reading a book, you're reading a story of some sort, usually. This is what they did in the ancient world. Their version of television or reading the story was the tradition that is passed on orally. So Abraham would have passed it on to Isaac. Isaac passes it on to Jacob. Jacob hears it, hears it from the grandfather down to the father, down to himself. And now he has his own experience of God himself intervening in his life and telling him the very promise he has heard from his own father. Quite a breathtaking moment. This is the promise that he's already heard and he believes it immediately. And then he simply says a little something back to God. He makes a vow. If you do this, I will give you a tenth back. Okay? So we apply that to what we have here. If you also, who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So there you have the word promise. God promised the Holy Spirit. So, and then he says something about the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we attain possession of it to the praise of his glory. Okay, now I want to pause there for our first song of the afternoon. Thank you so much, Derek. Uh, this song is Worthy as a Lamb, and it's by Bethel, appropriately. <laughs> Oh 
Worthy is the Lamb um, from Bethel live. You're listening to Credo on Radio Maria, and Derek Williams is teaching us about tithing. I'm going to hand over to you again, Derek. Sure, no problem. Thank you very much, Tim. So I finished on uh, Ephesians 1, verse 14. The Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This sentence is actually quite packed with teaching. If I was just to say to you, let's just take a look at this concept of guarantee of inheritance. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit when we were confirmed as Catholics. The the bishop literally sealed us with the Holy Spirit on that occasion. That's what the confirmation is. That means that if we live our Christian life, which we're called to, and the church teaches us about how to live our Christian life, it means that the Holy Spirit guarantees the inheritance until we acquire possession of it. What is the inheritance? What are we inheriting? Our inheritance is the kingdom of God, heaven. That's what we're going to inherit. Now, it's a spiritual kingdom. Um, we might be short changed if we're looking for a nice Rolls Royce, um, a mansion in the country, um, a nice set of guitars, or something like that. Um, these are material possessions that are temporary, they're all temporal possessions. Um, the kingdom that God is calling us to receive and to inherit is eternal so it's an eternal richness that god is offering to us there is another challenge associated with this kingdom it is hidden that's a big challenge for us because we receive the kingdom by faith we receive the holy spirit by faith um, how how do you know that you are filled with the Holy Spirit? If we're in the if we're in the Pentecostal world, one of their sayings is, you know, oh, we you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit because you start praying in tongues. 
but that's not part of our Catholic theology. One of our signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the peace that comes from an interiority of life, which we should develop. The fruits of the Holy Spirit are signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, etc. These are eternal riches that God gives us. Now, my mind keeps going back to Bethel and Jacob seeing the angels of God ascending and descending. The Holy Spirit has descended upon you so that you can ascend. And Jacob calls this place Bethel, the house of God. And the reason why my mind keeps going back to that irresistibly, it's like a magnet, is because I live at Walsingham Shrine, or near to it, I live one mile away, as the crow flies. And the message that Our Lady spoke to Richeldis in 1061 was, build a house. Not a statue. There was no statue associated with the shrine for a century after the shrine was founded, unlike the vast majority of other Catholic Marian shrines. This one is unique. It's about an empty house, which would be not much bigger than the Pustinia that I'm actually sitting in at the moment. A very small wooden house, a very simple wooden house. Most houses back then were very simple anyway. So a lady says to Michelle, build a house. This is it. There is a certain amount of poverty involved in the Walsingham Shrine back then. Um, although it was being built in the land of the saints, it was north. And most people, when they went on pilgrimage, went south. They went south to St. James de Compostela. They went south to Rome. They went south to the Holy Land. People didn't head north until this shrine was built, called England's Nazareth, and then people started heading north. And they came to a place of poverty. They didn't go, they're not going to London. They're not going to Norwich, which was a very famous and wealthy city at the time. They weren't going to Cambridge or Oxford. They were coming to Walsingham, a very small market town in the middle of North, in the middle of Norwich, in the middle of Norfolk, nowhere really, next to next to a few miles from the harbour of Wells, which was at the time I think quite a harbour, but nonetheless it wasn't at Wells. It was five miles inland, so it's a place of hiddenness and a place of poverty. And this, once again, is very important for us um, because we should not allow our circumstances to dictate what we can give to God. We should give to God regardless of our circumstances. I've been tithing now for 33 years. I'll give you a little something about that. Um, I experienced, I had an experience of God in February 1990, and I had never really given a penny to the church up to that point. And when I gave 50p in the offering, I thought I was being generous. Um, in 1990, it was more generous than it is today, by the way. Um, so I thought I was being generous at that time. After that experience, I don't know how it happened. But I got I started reading about tithing, I think, I think it came about because the best Bible study resources I could find were from the Birmingham Christian Center. Um, who had a, there was a Christian bookshop in the middle of Birmingham. Um, and I couldn't find anything Catholic, so I just started picking up Christian, born-again Christian Bible study resources. And quite a few of them spoke about giving financially to the church and tithing. So I started to tithe my income. 
Now, at the time, because I wasn't good at money management, and never have been, I had a few thousand pounds on my credit card, and I was struggling to clear it. And I thought, well, I'm going to still tithe now that I know that this is a way forward. So I started tithing, and within 12 months, now, hold on, I should tell you this, my salary at the time was, I think, between six and seven thousand pounds a year. So a third of my salary was credit card debt. So there's a big debt. But within 12 months, I'd gone from £2,000 on my credit card to £2,000 in credit in the bank. Because the Lord showed me and gave me the discipline for being a good steward of the money that he was giving me. So the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. Wisdom to manage our affairs well, to manage our stewardship of material resources well. Okay? We can look at the Holy House of Walsingham, and we can look at what Our Lady gave to Richeldis, and Richeldis is a good steward of this house. The consequence of that is that over the next five centuries, kings and queens of England would send very extensive and expensive donations to the shrine, jewellery and finance. Every time they did a pilgrimage, there would be some money sent towards the shrine because they would recognize that it's very important to give of our material goods into the kingdom of God in order to build up the kingdom of God. We have got a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise and glory of God. That's our eternal inheritance. In the meantime, here on earth, we can use temporal goods to actually help to take hold of that kingdom. Okay, now I want to pause there again and see if Tim has got another song for us. just started listening this is credo on radio maria a program that nourishes you in your catholic faith and we've been hearing about um the practice of tithing in the catholic church derek would you like to continue i'm um, continuing with ephesians and also the the beautiful connection between bethel the house of god and the walsingham shrine where the house of our lady was built a shrine which is in a sense very poor but also became very very rich because of the blessings that were poured into people's lives through this and i just want to look at the contrast a little bit of contrast between the blessings that god gives us god gives us both material and spiritual blessings but from god's perspective the important blessings he gives us are the spiritual ones. For example, I read a few minutes ago, Ephesians 1.13, In him you also, who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Yeah. Why did Jesus suffer and die on the cross? Why did Jesus shed his blood? For the salvation of souls. He did not shed his blood in order to give us financial benefits, houses, exam passes, cars, etc. But we all pray for these things. People pray for these things all the time. But he didn't die for that purpose. 
God was able to thoroughly enrich Abraham um, materially without the need for the cross. God was able to enable Noah to build the ark without the need for the cross. God was able to enrich Solomon, give David the Jerusalem as his capital. All these material things God could provide without the need for the cross. Because these things are material benefits. They do not need the blood of Christ to be poured out in order for us to have them. So those things in the eyes of God are, if you like, the cheap stuff. For us, these are the expensive stuff. With God, the expensive stuff is that which is hidden. The grace of salvation is a hidden grace. We do not see it. But within us as Catholics, there should be a conviction that on the day I die, I'm going to heaven. There should be this firm hope which we talk about in the Catechism, the firm hope that I have been saved by grace through faith. That is a grace that God has given to me, and there's a growth in that grace which gives me a firm hope. Yeah, Go back to what it says in Ephesians 1.14, the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance. So the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance until we take possession of it, which is on the day we die, hopefully. Now I say hopefully because I know that many Catholics do not believe that they're going to go straight to heaven when they die. We're going to cover that topic in a few weeks as I go through the guarantee of the inheritance. But for now, it's a case of looking at the invisible riches that God pours into the soul every moment of every day. For example, if you're listening to you're listening to this teaching now, and Our Lady is pouring out incredible graces into your soul that you will not know about most of those graces until the day you die, and you look back and you'll see Our Lady enriching your soul with eternal riches. Now, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in fact, recognized the value of the promise. They recognized the value of the covenant. God was going to give them this land. The land of Canaan that God was going to give the Israelites is a sign and symbol of the kingdom of God, which God was enriched the people of Israel with in Acts chapter 2. In fact, you could even say it when Jesus was doing his public ministry, because he said the kingdom of God is upon you. The kingdom of God is within you. So God gave them a land, a kingdom, which was wholly unexpected, a kingdom of God. So what God is wanting now is a response. God is calling for us to respond to the grace. One of the ways to respond to the grace is by giving. Now, you might say, hold on a minute, isn't tithing a Protestant thing? No, 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 no. No way. The Catholic Church was tithing for 1,500 years before the Protestant Church was birthed. If you look at, if even now, if you head out into the country, into the country of England, farms, go to farm places, you'll find tithe barns all over the country. These have been in place for, not maybe not the exact barn, but these barns have been in place for over 1,000 years. This country was known for its tithing. We were known for bringing in a tithe of our produce to the monasteries. And the monasteries, would that, that tithe would support the monastery, and the monastery would, would um, distribute to the poor. So that the monasteries were the place of distribution for welfare and social care. 
Um, and the, the wealth, the farmer would just, he would just bring in the tithe of his produce and it would all be distributed. So we have been known to tithe for well over a thousand years as Catholics. And if you go to certain countries even now, I was going to say Germany, but there's a bit of a bad rap about it in Germany. But if you go to a place like America, for example, and many churches are tithing churches in America where people on Sunday will tithe their income into the church. And a lot of them have got phenomenal outreach as a result. The church I was actually going to focus on, though, um, I'm not going to actually name it, but it's a Baptist church in the Diocese of Nottingham in England. And this is a tithing church. So the members, which number about 250 to 300 people at the moment, they tithe. The consequence of their tithing is that their income is, um, it has a connection with the income for the entire Diocese of Nottingham. They're receiving that much money from their members, 300 of them, 250 to 300 of them. The consequence of that is that they not only have a full-time pastor, they also have full-time youth ministers, worship leaders. They also do outreach to other countries. And they set up satellites, satellite, not satellites in space, but satellite churches as well. So the fruit of that tithing is that they can carry out their evangelization mission. In the Catholic Church, especially in this country, our evangelization mission is very stunted because we can't employ full-time lay evangelists. For example, here am I, I'm a, I'm a full-time lay evangelist. I've been working full-time on and off since 2003. And um, uh, I, I'm not going to dare to tell you how long my income is because Catholics do not buy um, just because of, of the way we are, really support the evangelist. They do not really support evangelization. If we're going to have an income drive in a parish, it's going to be for the new roof, the parish centre. It's going to be for some kind of social justice effort. It's rarely, if ever, for evangelization. It's very rare. And yet, our parishes exist to evangelize. The church's very existence is evangelization. It's the number one thing that we should be funding in the church. In America, they're very good at this, but they do it to an extreme where, unfortunately, evangelists can actually be incredibly wealthy because people are willing to pay into their ministries and give them a lot of support. Um, in England, it's not that way. Most of the evangelists I know are not wealthy. They're quite the opposite. And in fact, tonight, you're going to hear from a man on, what's the program called, Tim, if, if, again? It's called Awakenings. Awakenings. You're going to hear from a man called Charles Whitehead. Charles, I think, is 80 now, and he is incredible. Charles is, I've known Charles, um, not personally, but I've, I've had a relationship with him for over 30 years. And I knew him in the 90s when he had been meeting with John Paul, Pope John Paul II on a regular basis. And he would tell the most incredible stories about John Paul II. Charles is a man who didn't just work as an evangelist in the church, but he poured in a lot of his resources into evangelization. He has an incredible heart for it. 
And I would recommend you listen to his story later on tonight because he 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 has got great stories, a great delivery, and he's a man of God who has lived his Catholic faith so powerfully for many, many years now. So I've got all the time in the world for Charles. I think he's a beautiful man of God, and I've got a lot to learn from him. And this these teachings on Tuesday now from 4 till 5 are his fault <laughs> because he's the one who invited me to to write the book and to do the research okay so now i'm going to start round up in a minute we're going to be having our last song of the afternoon but first i want to just read this from saint paul so paul talks about the holy spirit as the guarantee of our inheritance and then he says for this reason i kneel before the father so for this reason that the holy spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance until you acquire possession of it for this reason because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And for the, for the record, folks, in the early church, everyone who was a baptized Christian was a saint. Okay, All the churches were filled with saints, not sinners. And I've been working for many years at trying to bring this thinking back into our Catholic Church. Because if you go into an evangelical church where they do not have the fullness of the truth, well, boy, they do have a lot. They really move with a lot. They're called the saints. We Catholics need to rediscover our sanctity. We need to rediscover that we are the saints of God Most High. Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Okay, I'm going to pause there. This wisdom and revelation is vitally important for us because I can be teaching you aspects of the faith in this weekly teaching on the Word of God. But it's useless if Jesus himself does not reveal to you the truth. He has to teach your heart. So I can give you the knowledge that I'm giving you, but ultimately it boils down to Jesus opening up the veil, letting you see, letting you have the revelation of the truth and the conviction. And here's an example, the conviction that we should be tithing our income into the body of Christ. Tithing into Radio Maria England would be absolutely sensational. It would really enable them, for example, to fulfill their mission of evangelization in this country. Tithing into my ministry as an evangelist would be incredibly helpful. It would enable me to get out there and, you know, get out to the groups who want me to get out to them, but they can't afford me to get out there. You know, some groups want me out there and they just say, well, you know, we want you, but we can't afford the airfare or something like that. Boy, if I had more people supporting my work, I could just open the floodgates and get out there. So, spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart opened, enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Remember, the hope of, the hope of heaven. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Remember the invisible riches that are hidden, that we cannot see, those treasures of grace that God wants to give us. And what is the immeasurable greatness 
of his power in us who believe, according to the working of his great might. Now, I could keep going on and keep talking about this, but I want us to have our, I think Tim might have a last song set up for us. So I'm going to ask Tim to, um, if you could announce the song, Tim, and then I'll say a little prayer according to that, and then we'll crack on with our final song. Sure. Um, we are going to listen to another song from Bethel. This is called Your Presence. Um, so you remind me of that order. You want me to announce the song? and then you Just gonna... announce the song. I'm going to say a prayer. And then we're going to let the song minister to the people. Wonderful. Okay. So I'll say a little prayer for for our listeners right now. So, Father, I just thank you for your presence in the lives of your children. I thank you, Father, that everyone listening to this is Bethel. We are all the house of God now. The house of God is no longer something external. It is now something interior and that you dwell in our hearts. And I pray, Father, that you will enlighten the eyes of our hearts, so that we can see all the riches you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.